The past few weeks we've been reading um, Jesus's, some of his most comprehensive parables of what the kingdom of God is like. Um, it's a, a vineyard that he invites us to labor in. Um, that it's this banquet, this wedding feast of, of the, the Lord's Son to which everyone is invited, um, the chosen and the people in the marketplace and the streets and the highways and byways, that he, the, the abundance um, and the openness of the kingdom is on display in these parables that Jesus is, is preaching. And the Pharisees and the Herodians and the Sadducees and, and these religious, religious authorities who are all the time listening, today we get their response or the question that they have during Q&A, which is about taxes and Caesar. And in other words, the kingdom of man. And Jesus calls them rightly hypocrites. They pretend to be concerned with the things of God and the kingdom of God. But their question betrays that what's really on their mind, what's really top of their heart and their concern, are the things of the world, not the things of God. And so um, this explains why Jesus has such affinity for the tax collector and the sinner, the prostitute, the leper, the poor, who receive the good news, the the good news of the kingdom with such joy. And these Pharisees are just hard-hearted. They can't seem to understand what is on offer. And I think that as a society, secularism, um, which our society is certainly bought into, this idea that, you know, in, in terms of public affairs, in terms of our civil discourse, that the things of God are kind of off limits, and that the things that we can all argue about and agree are of high, highest importance are things like politics and the economy and taxes. And people argue with such force, but then when it comes to things of God, religion, it's like, well, that's your private opinion. Don't bother other people with it. Um, I don't know about you, but since I remember every four years when the election rolls around, everyone says, this is the most important election in history. I don't remember one time where most of the people on TV and in my family were like, this election is actually not that important. Like, whoever wins, it's probably not that big a deal. There's lots of motivation for people saying, Everything is riding on this, these political candidates, these political policies. And I'm not saying that they're not important. And Jesus, of course, answers the question about Caesar and the taxes, that God does have an opinion about these things. But there's lots of people whose motivations are you thinking this is of the utmost importance, um, serves their, their best interest, their interest in power or money, etc. cetera. Um, but the soul of the nation is at stake, sure, but no political candidate is going to save or destroy the soul of a nation. The only one who saves souls is Christ, whether it's the soul of a nation or the soul of a a human being. And everything is riding on that question, whether we accept him, whether we decide to be citizens first of the kingdom of heaven or the city of man. This is where Jesus answers the question, in a totally different logic, in a totally different spirit than the question is asked in. And one of my favorite details of this parable is that Jesus almost like feigns ignorance. Um, and the, the first question he asks is, does anyone have a coin? Like, he doesn't even have a coin. They're asking about taxes and money, and Jesus has no money. It's like he's kind of opted out of that. Not that money is of no importance. He's certainly been supported by the people along the way with 
economics, food, shelter, things that cost money. But this, this is not the top of his concern. And then he looks at the money and he's like, who is this? Almost like, this guy, is he important? I'm, I'm not sure. Right? And to them, like he's, of course, the most important person, Caesar, according to the world. And Jesus says, well, this, this obviously belongs to him, so give it back to him. But render to God what is God's. And what is God? What belongs to him? And what is Caesar next to God? Caesar is nothing next to God. Everything belongs to God. And that's where Jesus approaches this question in a spirit of poverty, emptiness. But that's what human beings are before God. We are beggars. We receive everything. We live on his charity. And so what belongs to God is everything, including, including Caesar, including our money, including everything we have. I'll finish with this story, one of my favorite stories of St. Francis, that uh, when one of his brothers was joining Francis in, in poverty and chastity and obedience in, in his little way, uh, he, it was Bernard of Quinteville, I think, and he was, giving, he was very rich, and he was giving away everything he had in the streets of Assisi. And it's like, it was like the medieval thing, you know? He had like bags of treasure and gold, and, and Francis and him are just like handing it out to homeless people. Like, here, do you want this stuff? And it was like the joy and, and the alacrity of the gospel that he'd been finally seized by Christ. And he's like, get away all, all these riches so that I can cling only to Jesus and float up to heaven without anything weighing me down. And there was this priest in town who, who had donated to Francis some stone or brick that he had left over from his church because Francis's first thing when he heard the voice of Jesus from the cross was to rebuild San Damiano Church near Assisi. And uh, he was literally rebuilding it, and this priest had given him some stone to help with the project. And when he saw uh, Francis and Bernard in the streets giving away all this gold and stuff, he goes up to him and he says, like, hey, you know, while you're giving all your riches away, could you pay me for the brick? And Francis just reaches into this bag of gold and pulls out, like, an armful and hands it to the priest. He's like, here, is this enough, or did you want more? <laughs> and the priest, of course, is humiliated because it's like, a thousand times the price of the little thing that he gave to St. Francis. But Francis doesn't count. He's not counting money. He's not an accountant. He's not worried about taxes and sales tax and marginal benefits and return on investments. Like That stuff isn't in his brain. Not that it's not important. Just that he's, he's become a citizen of a higher kingdom. And those things to him take second place to the things of God, to charity, to goodness, to kindness. And at the time, of course, lots of people thought Francis was an idiot. It's like, get real, man. <laughs> like this stuff, you're, if everybody lived like you, how could, that, how could that work? How could we have an economy? How could we have a country? All this stuff. And maybe they're right. But does anyone know the name of the governor of Assisi at the time of St. Francis? Everyone who would have thought like that would have thought, this is the important person, right? He's the, got all the good ideas and... He's the one that's like making things work around here. And Francis is this weird fringe figure wearing a brown robe. No. But 800 years later, everyone knows who St. Francis is. Maybe he's not the idiot. Maybe he's the one that really gets it. And this is why this answer that Jesus gives, render to Caesar what is Caesar and to God what is God, God's, is so legendary. It shuts them up, the Herodians, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, because they realize they're hypocrites. They realize they're thinking about the wrong things. What Jesus is offering them is an invitation to live in the kingdom of heaven, right here, right now, to answer that invitation, to live in that abundance. 
where the things of the world, as important as they are, will pass away. And the only reason that they're good or not good is if they serve to help us praise, reverence, and love God. And in as much as they don't, we put them away. We set them aside so that we can race towards that heaven, towards that banquet that God invites us to.